Thank you very much. We feel so welcome and loved here. Come on, let's give Jesus the honor for what he's done so far. Breakthroughs, miracles, deliverances. Hallelujah, Lord! We honor you and praise you and give you all the glory today. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We invite you to come, Holy Spirit, to help us. We're, we're determined to fulfill the destiny you have for us. Whatever needs to move, shift, change in our life today. Move it. Move it. Let it move in the session. Father, I just thank you for those who've come, perhaps for the first time. Pray, Lord, that uh, what you are doing, they'll hear and feel it in their spirit. Be able to quickly reach in and receive what you want to do today. Lord, we open our hearts to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go on, give someone a high five before you sit down. Well, awesome. Thank you, worship team. You've been so great. Let's give them a clap. They've been fantastic. And thank you for staying the course. You know, it's, uh, it's a big commitment, but it's also an investment in your life. And uh, you, even, to, even in this session, there'll be things happen for many. Uh, I just really appreciate you've called it a freedom conference rather than a deliverance conference because it gives me uh, room to move. And uh, one of the things that, uh, that uh, Pastor, Lee, uh, Pastor uh, Jürgen has said was just flow with the Holy Ghost and what he puts in your heart to do. So today we had many, many people set free just last session. Powerful move of God to just touch so many, many people. But uh, as I got uh, to work with some, some we just prayed for and others we were talking to, and uh, there were some issues started to come up, and there was recurring issues started to come up. So I want to talk about, the message I want to speak about is honoring your father and your mother. And I want to show you some things on this or an insight related to this uh, that will really uh, bless and help you. And uh, we, let me just start with a story, good way. I, I had a, a woman in, I, come in, I think it was in Taiwan, and that she came for counsel. She came, I don't know why it happened that way, but anyway, they brought her in for counsel, asked me to talk with her. And uh, I asked her, what is your problem? And she said, well, I don't really know what to do. I have this man wants to marry me. And I said, I'll tell me a bit more. She said, well, and uh, so she explained what had happened. She'd had a relationship with this man. He was an unsaved man, and she had uh, a child of this man. Uh, no, she had a relation with the man, and it broke up. And then she had a fling with some other guy and had a child to him. And so now she's a woman with a child. And this first guy wants to now marry her. And the other guy's unhappy. And she's in this turmoil and a mess. And, and many times you find that people have a turmoil and a mess. They can't pull it apart and see what the issues are inside. And so I, I asked her, well, you know, is this guy Christian? She said, no, he isn't. I said, well, well, tell me then a little bit about why the relationship broke up. She said, well, while he was going out with me, he also had uh, three, two or three other relationships going on the side. And I said, so you're telling me you want to, uh, you're thinking of marrying someone who was already demonstrated unfaithfulness to you? Uh, I said, why would you do that? And she said, well, I kind of have something in my heart for him. I said, and then the Lord just dropped this into my heart. Ask about a father. I said, How about, what's the, tell me about your father and your relationship with your father. He said, oh, well, I don't see him. I said, why is that? She said, well, my parents' marriage broke up. I said, really, why did it break up? And she said, well, he had two or three other women on the side that he was uh, having an affair with. And so the marriage broke up. And I said, 
just stop right there. I said, I wonder if you can see that this is no accident or coincidence that your parents' relationship broke up because he was unfaithful, and this first guy you've had a relationship with has also broken up for the same reason. And she couldn't see the connection. I said, well, the Bible's very clear. If you judge your parents, you will reap in your own life the impact of that judgment. You have judged your father for his failure. You've held unforgiveness and bitterness and judgment in your heart, and you're in the process of reaping in your own life what you never resolved with your father. I wish to say, I wish I could say in that particular case, she could see it. She just refused to see it. She didn't want to see it. And so I said, I'm sorry, I can't help you anymore because you're not facing the root problem which lies in your heart. You have an undealt with issue with your father. And until you deal with that, you will continue to have this kind of problem coming into your life. And, and I, when we counsel people in marriage, there are probably two significant areas that we would look for. One is uh, what sexual kind of uh, relationships or uh, situations have happened with you prior to your marriage. And the, but the other one, which is the most telling of all, is tell me about your relationship with your parents. And you would be amazed how many times an unresolved conflict with a parent reproduces in the next generation and represents itself waiting to be resolved. It's like, it's like there's a magnetic attraction that pulls into the person's life uh, some, some person that will outwork the same thing that the, they tried to run away from. And there has to be a spiritual dynamic behind that, and there is. And so I want to I just show this to you uh, through the Scriptures. So firstly, we'll just start, and just, I want to just go through a few Scriptures, and then I want to show you how to break out of this. Because in some of the counseling that I did just with two or three people, the same issue reappeared. They had an unresolved conflict with the Father. And the situations they were facing directly connected to that unresolved, in fact, it was traced back to that unresolved route, and I did send them away with homework to do to actually resolve the conflict that, and the judgments that were in their heart. They were directly reaping the outcome of never, of walking away from home with issues unresolved. And so we can leave home physically, but not leave home emotionally or spiritually. We bring the baggage with us into the next season in our life. And what you ran away from will represent in your family life until you face it. And it'll keep representing. And if some of you would look back into your family, you'll find that the same kinds of problems seem to come generationally. And one of those reasons is because of iniquity in the family. Another reason is because of familiar spirits. But another reason is because of this thing called bitter judgments. And I want to just talk about it. So we'll just just, I want to give you several scriptures and just, just open your understanding to this and then show you quickly what you can do. Then we'll have an opportunity for you to think about your own situation and what God's speaking to you about what you need to do. Okay? So let's have a look. In, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 2 and 3, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Honor your father and mother. Now notice it's the first commandment with a promise. So he highlights this commandment is unusual because it carries a blessing that God has described. And notice the blessing is in two parts. It says that it will be well with you and you'll live long on the earth. 
Now, the implication in that is if you violate that commandment by dishonoring your mother and your father, it will affect your physical health, it will affect your life expectancy, and it will affect your life will not go well for you. Now, one of the problems about spiritual issues is we seldom connect the problem we're facing to a choice we made or a sin that we committed way back there. We just don't get the connection. And that's because sin is deceptive. And we can't see that sometimes the problem I'm facing now is rooted back in an issue I never dealt with. I'm just playing out something that's going on in my heart. Remember we shared in that last session, out of your heart flows the issues of your life. Now, so I want to just look at this, uh, first of all, this, this issue of honor. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. We have found if life is not going well for someone, I check out what's happened in their family background. For example, I had one guy I counseled, and uh, I, I started to ask him a few questions. And he, he was, uh, he'd just taken up a new, he just, he'd actually just been, had a row with his boss and had given up the job he was in. And so now he's starting out a new job. And the reason he was coming to see me, he's had a conflict with one of the cell group leaders, you see. So I started to ask him then about his relationship with authority figures in his life. And I found, well, he'd had a, just had a falling out, not only with the cell leader, he also had a falling out with his boss. I said, well, how'd you get on the last job? Same thing happened. I said, well, you were, you know, before that you were in the army. How'd that work? He said, oh, I love the army. I said, yeah, but how did you get on with those who were officers? Oh, well, you know, I never got on with them. I said, oh, really? I said, how'd you get on at school then? So oh, I never got on with the teachers. You know, they're always picking on me. I said, is that right? And I said, tell me about your father. I said, well, uh, I had a row with him. He kicked me out of the home. And he said, anyway, it wasn't my father. I was adopted. And I said, I wonder if you can see that the problem that is representing itself over and over in your life is that you have an unresolved conflict with your natural father and mother who for some reason adopted you out. You've never resolved what's in your heart with them. It's replayed with your adoptive parents and it's replayed in every situation involving an authority figure in your life. Now, whenever we encounter authority figures or people who have a realm or sphere of authority, whether they fulfill it well or badly or however they do it, they represent the authority of God. So the first people you meet in your life that represent God to you are your parents. And they may completely misrepresent God, not necessarily because they want to or because they didn't set out to do their best, but because they were broken themselves. And how you respond to this first uh, representatives of God in your life set you up for how you'll respond all the way through your life until you deal with it. So I want to just show you a couple of scriptures. The first one is found in Psalm 100. First, let's look at the word honor. And, and interesting, uh, you, Jürgen was just talking about, it's to place value on someone. Now, I want to just show you two, things, two scriptures that are connected in relationship to your walk with God. In Psalm 100 verse 4, Psalm 100 and verse 4, it tells us specifically how to engage with the presence of God. It tells us specifically what to do. And notice it tells us here to come into the presence of God. And uh, in Psalm 100, it says, verse 4, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name, for he is good. So it tells us then that if we are to come near to God, we come near 
Firstly, with gratitude in our heart and appreciation for what he's done. Secondly, we honor him. So to praise him is to lift him up. It is to give honor to him. So honor and gratitude enable us to enter the presence of God. Honor and gratitude attract the presence of God to us. Now, I want you to look in Romans 1 verse 21. Romans 1 and verse 21. So whatever you place honor and value upon will be attracted to you. Whatever you dishonor and, uh, and, uh, and disrespect will move away from you. Now, notice in Romans 1 and verse 21, and it says, it says, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him or honor him as God, neither were they uh, thankful, but become futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So it's talking about people who once knew God, and notice what it says they failed to do. They failed to be thankful and grateful, and they failed to give him honor. So you notice what happened. When that happened, there's a darkness came in the thinking, or putting it another way, the way they related to God changed. So we see there in two scriptures, one tells us that coming near to God, we need to honor him and thank him and be appreciative to him. So the primary authority in our life, which is God himself, to come into his presence requires honor and respect and gratitude. That's how you approach him. Okay? Now, you notice it says when we, when we uh, are ungrateful and when we dishonor him, we draw away from him. It's our thinking about him changes. And if you follow the pattern there, it goes in a, in a downward spiral completely away until people are totally alienated from God. So notice how honor draws us into the presence of God, dishonor moves us away from the presence of God and brings our life into darkness. Now, parents are your first authority figures in your life to represent God in our lives. They represent the nature of God and represent, they're to represent to us the, the various aspects of God's character. So when parents fail and we choose to disrespect, dishonor, harbor bitterness and judge them, then we move away from them. But more than moving away from them, there is a darkness comes in our heart that begins to affect all other relationships. I want to show you a couple more scriptures related to this, and then we'll just finish with a story in the Bible that shows you exactly in one couple how they both faced uh, an abusive authority figure uh, and, and both responded differently. One responded with judgment, the other responded with grace, and the one who responded with grace became lifted up, and the other one who responded with judgment actually ended up in darkness. So this is, these are principles in the Bible. You can't break them. You just prove that they exist. So you just prove that they're there. That's all. So, so notice then says to honor. If we will place value on our parents. Now, if you're going to honor someone, there are three primary reasons you pay honor to someone. Eh? Uh, number, perhaps not in order of importance. But one, we honor people who achieve greatly. So if someone makes a great achievement, we honor them or place value on them. They were great. They did well. It was a great achievement. Today, we honored someone for his achievement in serving. And the honor was due him because he did something. See? Okay, then. So the second reason we honor people is because of their character. So someone who's been courageous, someone who's shown bravery and, and a great character, we honor them because of who they are, the kind of person they are, what character they have demonstrated. 
And then finally, there's another area we honor people. We honor people just because of the positioning they hold. So, for example, people in America honor the office of the president. Now, regardless of their personal opinions or feelings about the president and about his performance, nevertheless, there's an honor comes on the office and therefore the person. And it's right to do that. So, okay then. So having got that. So uh, it may be in a family, often (laughs) things don't work out quite like what we expect. And because of iniquity, parents tend to repeat the sins of their parents. They're often strife and conflict. Sometimes the foundations of the marriage are not good. And we're living in a courage which has lost fatherhood. It's lost the whole dimension of how families need to be. And so we have multitudes of people coming, and perhaps you're one, that come from a family where it wasn't loving. It broke down. There was violence. There was abuse. Father abandoned the family. All kinds of things have happened and gone on. So, of course, children get hurt. Children get deeply hurt by this. Their whole world blows up when the parents divorce. Their whole world that should be supportive and and foster their growth to maturity is wrecked. And so the children suffer. And uh, this is often what people don't realize is that that action of the parents now has got a generational impact. So you may have come from great parents, uh, a great family, or you may come from family where it was extremely painful. Could have been a harsh, abusive father, a passive, shut-down father. Uh, In my case, my father came back from uh, the war, Second World War, and his emotions were shattered by the experiences he'd been through. He'd been on the front line for four and a half years, and in the end, seeing all his friends killed and blown apart, and it just in the end was overwhelming for him. He came back, and he was a different man from the man that went over there very difficult for my mother. They'd be married one year. But how it worked out for me was that he could never express love in a, ten, in, in a verbal way or a physical way. He, he, it just, he was unable to do it. It wasn't that he wasn't loving. It's just he couldn't express because he was shattered in the soul, his family background and through his war experience. But for me, it, was, it felt like he could never express love and affirmation to me. And so as a young person, it was quite hurtful to find no matter how hard I worked, it was never good enough. And so there was a constant, it seemed like I could never do enough, it was never good enough, and it brought in me a driving to try and perform so I could get affirmed and loved, and never was it ever good enough. And so it had quite some major issues inside me out of hurt and rejection, I actually became quite bitter inside, just put a wall in my heart. And so what happens? The Bible tells us in Hebrews 12, 15, beware, uh, lest I, uh, it says, let any man fall from the grace of God and a root of bitterness spring up and defile many. So when we are hurt or offended or for whatever reason, uh, we have offense in our heart and we let it grow and a root of bitterness comes, it has the capacity to defile all the relationships that you live in. Are you aware it's defiling them? Not at all. It's a flow from your spirit of poison and usually it comes out of the mouth and out of the eyes. The glares, the words, the criticism, all of this kind of thing flows out of a heart which has got bitterness inside it. And the word bitter means to be sour. And uh, so a root of bitterness in our heart will defile all relationships. How does it do it? Because, uh, uh, I'll show you in a moment. Let's have a look in Matthew chapter 7. Often bitterness in our heart is connected to judging. And uh, let me show you here in Matthew chapter 7. 
whenever we face offence, whenever we face disappointment, hurt, or any kind of circumstance that's negative in our life, we can approach it and release grace into it, or we can release judgment into it. If we release judgment into it, there are consequences of that. If we release grace into it, there's different consequences. And we're called to bring the grace of God into situations. So notice what it says in Matthew chapter 7. These are the principles of the kingdom. And it says here, notice in verse 1, do not judge because if you judge others, you will be judged. Now, it doesn't mean we just put up with all kinds of nonsense because later on the Bible tells us spiritual man discerns all things or judges all things. But he's saying he's talking about judgment in your heart. That means to find a fault with and condemn and then punish in some kind of way. So he says, don't judge. For, 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 uh, that you be not judged, for the judgment you judge others, it will be measured back to you. Now notice what's saying there. If you come to a place of judging of a parent, father or a mother, for their failure in their role as a parent, then what will happen is that judgment you have put against them, that having come to make a decision why they did what they did, what this must mean. My father hated me. My mother rejected me. Well, that's a conclusion or a judgment. You don't know that's true. All you see is how they behave. It's your conclusion about it that's the judgment. What does this behavior mean? So, for example, a, uh, a, a child can be in a family, and maybe the husband and the wife or the mother and father are bitterly angry, and there's just this tension and anger and criticism. child looks at it, and they pain and anxiety and tension great and they ask the question what does this mean and they come to a judgment this means they hate me this means it's my fault and so what happens is when you start to form bitter judgments in your heart like that then you start to find you'll start to draw and attract into your life this a repetition of this kind of thing it's like a magnetic thing it just pulls it into your life so judgments in the heart are an invitation to demonic spirits to torment you and bring about what you have concluded. It just seems to just repeat cycle after cycle after cycle. So if you, for example, have come to a conclusion, you've looked at something in the family and concluded in your heart, it's my fault. It's my fault parents broke up. If only I hadn't done this or if only I could have done this. Now, then what will happen is this. Oh, I see. If I hold the bottom of the mic, it cuts out. Hold it in the middle. Thank you very much. This is a great help to me. Wonderful. Isn't it great? There we go. Well done. Isn't it great to have people that can tell you how to hold a mic? After all these years, I'm still not holding it right. Praise the Lord. I never get it right. I always get it wrong. <laughs> Okay, so, so what happens is we can, we can come to conclusions or judgments in our heart and interpretation of what something means. And when you come to a conclusion about that, then you begin to reap the cycle of that in your life. So if you come to conclusions, it's all my fault they broke up. What happens in any conflict situation, you know what? It's all my fault. And it'll ke- you'll keep reaping it in your life. And then you'll find you start to attract blame into your life. It's your fault this happened. And, and so the Bible's very clear. It says, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and don't consider the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and there's a beam in your own eye? 
hypocrite. First of all, get the beam out of your own eye. Notice this. Then you'll see clearly. So when we have judgments, we can't see life properly. We just can't see life properly. We think we see, and we come to conclusions, but we can't see properly because the judgment in our heart filters how you see things. Let me just give you a simple example. Suppose uh, I'm standing here with, with someone else, and, and Pastor Jurgen comes in. He's on his way to the meeting, you see, but he's had some company come up just before the meeting. He's got a lot of things on his mind, so he just walks and sweeps, and he's just preoccupied with what he wants to, what he's got to do. And the two of us stand there, and as we go by, we say, good morning, Pastor Jurgen, you see. And he doesn't even acknowledge it. He's just busy, didn't even hear it. He's just focused on what he's going to do, away he goes. Now, I look at it, and I think, oh, well, you know, I guess he's busy or something. I'll catch up with them later. See, I have no judgment about what is walking past me and not responding meant. No judgment. Okay? The other person, they all, they've already got a judgment in their heart that they're, that, that, they're, that they're not loved. So immediately they look at it and say, he didn't like me. I knew he didn't like me. Look at that. He, didn't, he walked right past. I've just said hello to him. He doesn't. And actually, I think he hates me. Now, now, this is the weirdness that goes on in people's lives. And so then they live in torment with this judgment going on in their heart. And actually, they have made this judgment themselves. They've got no idea what his actions meant whatsoever. They've just placed a judgment on it and then reaped the consequence of it, of torment inside their own life. And so when we, when we form bitter judgments in our heart, we begin to, it's like a negative faith that begins to attract in repeated cycles of the same kind of thing happening in our life. And we have found counseling people that when they have a bitter judgment against their father, if it's a girl who has a bitter judgment against her father, she will magnetically attract a man in who will repeat the same behavior until she resolves the issue. And if he isn't like that, he will become like that because her bitterness will defile the relationship eventually. It just is, it's, this is why, see, you can't, there are principles of the spirit. You can't, and demons know them and they just leave them or use them to get in and make life tough and hard and, and put burdens on us. And for me, one of the things that was the changing point, because I, I, I just longed for my father to express love. And one day the Lord said to me, he said, what you're wanting him to do is like asking a crippled man to run. I said, what? He said, if a man had a broken leg, you would not expect him to be able to run. You wouldn't blame him that he couldn't run. You'd understand he just couldn't run because he had a broken leg. Why can't you understand your father is damaged in his emotions and he can't do for you what you want? It doesn't mean he doesn't love you. It doesn't mean you're not valuable. You've placed meanings on this and judged him. You need to repent of those judgments or it'll turn up in your own children. And you'll face it again with your own family. Did you have to deal with this stuff? And so I had to come to the uh, area of actually being willing to, number one, forgive and release where there are disappointments. And number two, to renounce any judgments I'd made of what this meant. What does this mean? What you make it mean is your judgment of it. And Jesus said, I don't judge by what I see. I judge by what I hear. So we tend to jump to conclusions and jump to judgments and then live in the torment and reap the penalty of those judgments until we learn not to make them. You just don't know why people do stuff. You just don't know why they do stuff. And so you, you may have had a, 
come from a family where there's all kinds of turmoil and the father abandoned the, 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 the mother and abandoned the family. And of course, you're deeply hurt and of course, it's unjust, but you don't know why it happened. And once you start going into the judgment area, now you've set yourself up to reap the cycle of that. We can't afford to judge. God wants us to be in a place where we honor and bless our parents. Because he says, if you honor them, it will go well for you. You say, well, they don't deserve it. My mum didn't deserve it. She's an alcoholic. She drank, did this. And she really caused a lot of pain and problem. I know she doesn't deserve it because of her behavior or deserve it because of her performance or her character, but she is your mother. You came from her. Part of her is in every cell of your body. If you are dishonoring her, you are actually dishonoring your source where you come from. You're dishonoring yourself. You will live with rejection in your life. You dishonor your father. You're dishonoring where you've come from. But you don't understand he was this, he was this, he was this. Yeah, well, you don't know what he has been through, how broken he is, what mess he's had. We're not excusing it. We're not saying it was right. We're actually saying it's destructive. What he did was wrong. But nevertheless, God says, place value on him because you have come from there. And when you honor your father and your mother, you're honoring God who they're called to represent. God will sort out that they didn't represent him well. That's his job, not yours. Your job is to do what he says and become a person who gives people the gift of honor. So we don't honor our parents because trying to manipulate to get something out. You honor your parents because that's part of walking with God. That's part of walking in kingdom blessing. You remove dishonor and you start to honor. Honor becomes the kind of person you are. You honor people, whether they act honorably or have got honorable character, you still treat them as people of value. Honor has a way of unlocking relationships. Dishonor has a way of distancing them and making them worse. Let me give you two examples. I was, in, uh, in, uh, I was visiting uh, Europe somewhere. Where's Mark and Michelle? Where were they? Copenhagen, that's right. And we've been to a wedding. And I come out of the wedding, we're going to catch the train back. And I'm standing on the train station, I'm looking across. Now, these are electric lines, electric trains and stuff. And we just stand, I'm looking across at the other side of the station, across about four railway lines or five railway lines, something like that. And I looked over and I looked at this guy and I caught his eye. And the moment I caught his eye, I saw him manifest. I thought, oh no, we've got, a, we've got someone's going off here. And, uh, and so I quickly turned away. I thought, I don't need this right now. And. Uh, <laughs> And so I turned away, and I'm looking out of the corner of my eye, and I see him start to, I see him staring at me, and I, I just try not to engage his, his, his eyes. And then I saw him go to the edge, and I thought, oh, we've got something going to happen. And sure enough, he hops down off the railway lines. He comes across the road. Now, these are electri- electrified lines. This is dangerous stuff. He is manifesting. And so he come across, and he climbs up onto the platform, and I think, I'm going, to have an, I'm going to have a scene in the, in the platform in a moment. And he comes up to me, and of course he's got broken English. He's European of some kind of nationality. And he starts yelling he's going to kill the policeman. Now he's really yelling and ranting and raving. His eyes are wild. He's in a full manifestation mode. And I'm thinking, oh, man, what do I do here? I've got family around. And, and uh, you, know, it always, you know, he's still trying to work out where there's an escape route somewhere to run to. And, and I'm thinking about this. And he's yelling. It's hard to understand. So I tried to just calm him down. And uh, because I didn't know whether he carried a weapon, didn't know how, this could have been really dangerous for us. And then he turns from me. I just talked calmly and quietly to him. And then he turned. He's starting yelling at my son-in-law. And he's yelling, going to kill a policeman. I could see Mark was quite frightened. And, uh, and, and so um, 
He turned away from my son-in-law and, and I said, said, Jesus, you've got to help me. What am I going to do? I don't want to start ministering to him because he'll manifest. It looked like I'm in a violent conflict with him. We'll both get arrested. This is not going to be good. And, uh, and I've had that before, not being arrested, but having laid hands on someone in public places and they go crazy berserk and stuff happens and no one really knows what's going on, they, you know. And, and uh, we won't go there. <laughs> so I've just learned to be a bit more discreet now. You know, the old days, there's a demon. <laughs> Get the demon, you know. But, you know, it doesn't. I'm just a bit more wise now, you know. You can create some scenes. I've been in a restaurant, the whole table got overturned, and this guy's nutting off and yelling, you know. So I didn't want any of that. And then the Lord just dropped into me what to do. And I went up to him and said, Sir, I have a gift for you. And I reached my pocket, and I've been to the wedding, and i a got a bit of a chocolate fan, you see, and I had a couple of chocolates I'd nicked on the way out of the wedding. And... Uh, <laughs> Not beyond doing that still, you know. So there it was, I had the chocolate in my pocket. And I, said, and, and, and I said, I said, I have this to give you. And all I had was two chocolates. I just gave him, I opened his hand, put them in his hand, gave him the two chocolates. And you know what? Whatever spirit was on him just left immediately. And he reached out and he put his arm around me and he hugged me, kissed me on both cheeks. And then he just quietly went back over the other side. Honor had changed the whole atmosphere around this person. Honor has results. Honor gets results. Eh? Honor gets results. Let's have a look at some of the Old Testament. Have a look quickly, last scripture, and, and then I'll give you one more story. This is a great story. And it's true, which is best still. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, 2 Samuel chapter 6, 2 Samuel chapter 6. And uh, then I'll share just a little personal test and we'll finish. And I want to give you an opportunity to think and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Because I think he wants to help some of you get free. I think he wants to set people free from bitterness and anger and terrible grief over what's happened in your background. And to get you to take steps to actually become a person of honor. So that your future and that of your offspring is much different. Eh? So look, I want you to have a look with me here. And this is a revival move in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 14. David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. And so David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and the sound of the trumpet. Now, David has a wife called Michal. And Michal is the daughter of King Saul. And King Saul dreadfully manipulated her and used her to try and bring about the death of of David, but Michael loved David. She was passionately in love with him. She found a way of protecting him, finally got him out of the city. And what, what Saul did was Saul, now this, is, this is David's father-in-law, a person who should have actually been a person who loved him and valued him and, and helped him prepare him for his destiny. Instead of that, he was dishonoring and abusive. And so when you follow the story, you find that Saul uh, declared David a national fugitive. He sent the armies out. He pursued them all over one place to the other, drove them out of the country in the end into a neighboring country and had virtually a kill on sight uh, warrant out on him, destroy him on sight. So David is living with his father-in-law uh, against him all the time. He had more than one opportunity to kill his father-in-law. In fact, those around him said, boy, God's given you the opportunity. You can get rid of your problem now. And David said, I won't touch 
what God has anointed. Or in other words, this is an authority that God has placed in my life. The fact he's abusive is not my issue. This is God's issue. I'm not going to arise and come against him and dishonor the office that God has given him so I can get my life to become easier. And twice David was put in that same situation. Twice his friends urged him to kill King Saul. And he said, no, I can't do this because this would be to dishonor God if I was to do such a thing. I just need to trust God with my life and leave Saul to God to sort out. I won't rise up and dishonor him. And so that was David's heart. David then comes into his destiny and now he's restored. He's now king of Israel without having to try and kill Saul. He's king of Israel, his wife. Now his wife had her journey too. Soon after King Saul had, uh, had chased David out of town, King Saul forced her to marry another man. Now you imagine what it's like being forced to marry someone. You love your husband. He's been driven out by your father and now you're forced to marry and, and uh, have sexual relationships and live with another man all the time yearning for your husband to come and get you and he never turns up. He's a national fugitive. Can you imagine the, the trauma and the terrible hurt that she must have suffered? David also suffered the hurt of knowing this had happened, knowing his wife is with someone else, knowing his father-in-law is responsible. Both of them suffered injustice at the hands of the same man. But one, David arose and instead of bringing judgment, brought grace into it. He said, I'm going to leave it to God to sort out. I will maintain honor because God has put him in this role in my life. Did he stay connected to him? No, he ran away from him. And we're not necessarily, if someone is a violent, abusive person, honoring them does not mean you have to stay around them. You understand that? You know, honoring does not mean you stay around them. Honoring them is an issue of the heart. It's the issue of placing value on the office or role that they have because in doing that, you're honoring God. It takes faith to do that. Okay? But to do that, you've got to overcome the tendency to be hold unforgiveness and judgments in the heart. See? And so David kept his heart pure. And so when the presence of God comes into the city, he's dancing and whirling and leaping. And, but just like Jürgen, you know, you know, with a... You know, the way he does it. You, you should see him do that with the leather shorts, you know. It's just something else to see it. I mean, it really is something else to see the Jürgenmeister do one of these German sort of, you know, with the leather shorts on. You know, you want to get him to do it sometime. It's, it really is something. I mean, you know he's German, you know, and he's got this is in him. So there it is. He knows how to do that. I can't even work out how to do it. But, but he was showing me the other night how he does it, you know. He's... In, he's It'd be a great item for the church one time, wouldn't it, eh? You know, a family concert, and there it is. Anyway, the leather shorts. So David's dancing before the Lord, and he's unashamed, and he just... now. And I want you to see now what Michael says. Now, it says, as he came in the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter. Now, notice she's not called David's wife. Saul's daughter. He said, look through the window, saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and despised him in her heart. Now, she's in a place of bitterness and judgment. Bitterness against her father, judgment against her father, bitterness against David, judgment against David. And she, the natural thing is then, it, she can't help it coming out. 
And so you notice what's said. He comes home and he's about to bless the people and he distributes among the people. He comes home to bless his own household, verse 20. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, there it is again, came out to meet David. And notice what she says. Oh, how glorious is the king of Israel today. Look at you dancing around those leather shorts and clapping and slapping and carrying on like that, you know. Shameless, absolutely shameless. Okay, and... (laughs) But it's a sort of the revised version of it, you know. <laughs> and David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord. I'll be even more undignified than this. And then it says, therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Now, you notice, here's a couple who both had to deal with the issue of a parent who abused them and misused them and treated them badly. One responded and retained honor in his heart for the role and position and office the person had and trusted God to work it out and kept their heart free. That's David. David is able to enter into a tremendous season of blessing and enlargement in his life. His wife, though, bitter, judgmental, and she becomes barren. She's unable to produce. She's absolutely fruitless. In fact, later on, there were children entrusted to her, and they were, they were put to death. It's, it's a horrendous story of a young couple in love with a destiny of ruling a nation, and one failed to draw near into the grace of God. It requires grace to do this. You don't need to approve of bad behavior or, or abusive behavior of a parent. We, we don't approve of that. In fact, actually, sometimes it needs to be confronted, sometimes it needs to be brought to the light, brought to the authority, whatever it needs to be done. We don't have to put up with it. But it's the issue in the heart of whether you retain a free heart or a bitter heart and a heart of judgment. If you, ret- if you have a, a heart that's bitter, unforgiving, or judgments in your heart, you will set up a cycle of reaping what you have judged. It will turn up in your next set of relationships, and you'll have to face it there, and you probably won't recognize what it is. And this is the dilemma that I find often in counseling people, the current problems they're struggling with go back into family to issues they never really left home emotionally and spiritually. We need to deal with the baggage in there. Let me just finish with the story, and then I want to give you, just when I'm sharing the story, just an opportunity, have a think about where you've come from, and have a think about relationship, your relationship with your father, your relationship with your mother. If they're, now, neutral is not honor. There's no neutrality in the kingdom. See, the Bible says we've passed from death to life when there's love flows out of our heart. Eh? So there's no neutrality. So if you're in a place where you've got this wall of reserve and you're kind of neutral and you're sort of avoiding a parent and, and there's a wall in your heart and as you pray for them, you don't even really want to pray for them because as you pray for them, it's a bit difficult to pray. You know, I've got that stuff that keeps rising up. Oh, God bless them, you know. And when you, when you, when you, when you try to come to God as a father, you, well, I relate to Jesus. I don't kind of connect with the father too easily, you know. You see, this plays out over and over in our life. It just keeps playing out. It just is no end to how it plays out in your life. So I have. So if you recognize there's reserve, there's a withholding, I don't actually hold my father and mother in my heart and say, thank you, God, for them. I see that they were damaged. I see that they were broken. They just did all that they could. That's all they did. 
but at least I will honor them because they were the first representatives. I leave it to you to sort it out. But as for me, I'm going to retain a heart that's free from bitterness. I'm going to walk and extend grace to them and honor to them. Honor is my gift. I will value them and I'll start to communicate and connect in a different way. Think about that. Now, I know there's all sorts of variations of that and you have to figure out what God wants you to do and all of that. I'm talking about today getting your heart free. Now, let me just share with you. I, Joy shared the testimony yesterday and uh, she shared a number of things. But uh, one of the things that, remember I said that I judged my father in my heart. This was something I had to come to grips with and to repent of and renounce the judgment. And uh, in the end, I was able to honor him, value him. We were able to honor him in very special ways. And my whole relationship with him changed towards the end of his life when my heart became free. But we had uh, made mistakes also. And one of the big mistakes that I made in my connecting and relating with Joy was that we become involved sexually before we were married. Uh, we had a pregnancy, for those of you who weren't here when we shared the testimony, and we, a daughter was born. I never got to see her. Uh, Joy just shut down her emotions on it. She had the pregnancy, had the uh, baby, and the, uh, the baby girl, Josephine, was adopted out. And in those days, the laws were so totally, uh, they, were, they, were, they just shut down any possibility, any possibility of ever being able to reconnect again. And within, a, within about a year of that, I had repented. I'd come to Christ. My heart had changed. And one of the things I had to re- deal with was the dishonor of my daughter. And I came before the Lord, and I deeply repented that I had failed to embrace her, to celebrate her, to take responsibility for my mistakes, to actually stand up and give leadership to my wife, to, to joy at that time. And so I repented deeply of that. I repented of any bitterness that was in my heart. I made a commitment before the Lord. I said, God, I know you're a God who does miracles. So I know one day you will restore our relationship, that one day I'm going to meet this daughter again. So I covenant before you that on that day, whatever position, role, or whatever I have in life, I will not deny her existence, dishonor her by rejecting her, I will actually make her welcome and make it public. And uh, I had no idea there's a call of God in my life. I had no idea I'd become a pastor. No idea that 18 years later I'd be pastoring a church. And uh, we ministering and, and so on. And, and God spoke to us to, uh, to write a letter in because the law suddenly changed. And we were doing a marriage renewal and we'd talked together for the first time about this issue. We'd resolved it between us. We'd got it out into the open. It had been sitting there defiling our marriage all those years. And, uh, and Joy had judgments against me and I had bitterness in my own heart. And we just put it all right, got it out in the open and opened up our hearts to be free. And then, so what happened then? The law changed. So we wrote a letter and, and a letter came from her parents at exactly the same time. And uh, we were able to start to connect and communicate. And suddenly the reality of meeting this daughter become not something that was a way off. It was about to happen. And so we we just uh, didn't know what to say. It's hard to know what to say. But I was determined in my heart not to dishonor her. So we testified to the church the week before she came and let everyone in the church know of our background, of our failure, of what God had done to restore us, and of the great miracle God was doing. 
And so she came and it was just the most amazing time. And she started to connect with us because there's now six natural brothers and sisters. And we just kept loving her and honoring her and making her known to everyone. It's a bit funny for a while because people ask how many children you got. And George say six and I'd say seven and they'd look at us. And, but I had determined I'm not going to disown her again. And, and, uh, and Joy was still struggling with some aspects of denial and, and pain over this issue. So anyway, as we journeyed with her, we watched her make a number of mistakes in her life. And, but we just never judged her. We just loved her, made her welcome. And uh, then eventually uh, we were able to give her advice and help her. And, and a couple of years ago, I was able to take the service where I married this daughter. And there was considerable tension on the Friday night at the practice because we had already met her family, met her parents, but it was an awkward situation. And we had, because we'd loved her and gained her trust, uh, been able to help her and how to set up a service that, and we talked about the issue of honor and, and how honor works out and how it looks out and, and so on. And we were able to give her advice what to do. And so she determined she's going to have me take the service. And boy, I went home from that practice. I just wept. I said, God, this is so hard. I can hardly bear to do this. The tension is so difficult. Show me what to do. How do I break through? So we got to the service and uh, the Lord had given me an insight what to do. And we came to the service, and of course, you've got her family and their friends, and our family, and our, so you know, and then there's other people there as well as their friends, and you can feel the tension. This is the natural father. What is he going to say? And, you know, the couple, she came down the aisle. It's quite, it's, it's just so unbelievable, really, that God could do such a thing. And the Lord had spoke to me and said, do this. He said, I want you to honor her parents. And so she came down, stood there, and we just welcomed everyone, just broke the tension a little bit, but it's still there. And I, and I, I spoke to the parents. I said, today I want to honor you for caring for this girl of ours for so long. I want to thank you and honor you for all you put into her life, for the education you gave her, for loving support for her, for standing by her, and for being willing to allow us to be a part of this day, which is an important day in your lives. And so I gave them honor. You know, as I put honor upon them, the whole atmosphere just shifted. The presence of God came. God loves honor. It's part of the kingdom. And, you know, the atmosphere changed, and there was a, there was a tremendous response. As, uh, we we, we uh, took them through the wedding service. We went to the uh, reception. I'm thinking, God, how's this going to work out here? And when we looked out, she had set it up. She had the main table, and she had a whole lot of round tables. And she put her parents, natural parents, uh, on one side, that's us, and put her adoptive parents just in almost the same positioning. She had placed honor on both of us. She was not going to have us minimize. Now, we had never tried to impose anything on her. We just honored and valued her like we made the commitment to. And in return, honor came back. And so she spoke and she honored her adoptive parents first. And then she honored us. And people just started to weep. You could feel the presence of God come. And her, and her adoptive mother, who was not going to speak at all, stood up. And she began to speak. And she began to talk about how grateful she was to this woman she'd never known who'd carried this daughter and had given her up for her. She said there wasn't a year went by 
when she didn't think of that person and thank them for the gift of the daughter. Presence of God came into that place. People began to weep and cry. Just an amazing touch. Within a year, we had a chance to pray for them and able to conceive a child. And this, this last year, they sat down with us at Easter and said, we want to become Christians. Can you lead us to the Lord? We baptize them. Yeah. Honor, honor, honor. So I had dishonored her. We dishonored her in rejecting her and adopting her. So in that sense, we had really grieved and broken her heart and hurt her. But because we chose to honor her, she in turn was able to really honor us. And she's now part of our family and she's coming to faith in Christ, coming to eternal destiny. See, honor works. You can't afford to keep bitterness in your heart. You can't afford to keep bitterness in your heart. You can't afford to have those judgments. You say, but it's not fair. What happened? Well, there's a lot of things in life aren't fair. Why don't you take the injustice to the cross and say, God, today I want to extend grace to them. I want to extend grace. Lord, as you give me grace and forgive me, I'm going to extend it to them. I'm no longer going to judge and find fault. I'm just going to find a way to honor them with words, actions. I'll just do what you lead me to do that will demonstrate I have shifted, I've changed, and this cycle finishes with me. Can we close our eyes right now and feel the presence of God here? I sense there's many people here and you've got issues that you run away from in home and in family. Why don't you stand up as God has spoken to you, make your way to the front and say, God, I want to deal with this issue. I've got anger, I've got hurt, I've got grief, I've got bitterness. I've made judgments against my father and all men. I've made judgments against my mother and all women. I have got these things going on in my heart. I want to put it right tonight. I I want to end the cycle of judging and bitterness and dishonor. And I want to build honor in my future. So today I'm purposing to open my heart for the grace of God. I'm opening my heart to repent of bitterness and judgments and dishonor. And I'm asking you, Lord, to give me grace to learn how to honor my father and honor my mother. Maybe your father's died. You can still, in your heart, honor his memory. You can still thank God for the things he did give to you. For some of you, this may be a bit of a journey. You may find that you need to sit down and begin to think of the ways that you have been grieved and had your heart broken. Write a letter, express your feelings, play music. Let let what's in your heart come out. And come to a place where your heart is free and and there's just grace there. And say, now God, what can I do? Don't look for them to change. Remember, it's quite possible that your parent is like the person with the broken leg that can't run. Just let them be. It's not your job to change them. God just says, just honor them. Find a way to value them. Find a way to make them of value in your life and in your heart. I can feel the presence of God here. And I feel a lot of grief in hearts. God wants to touch you and help you right now. Just let God help you right now. Begin to think about your father. Think about your mother. Begin to let whatever's in your heart come up. And lead you in a prayer. And it's a prayer to repent of judging your parents, finding fault and criticism. It's 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 a prayer to forgive them. It's a prayer to release them. It's a prayer to make a decision. I'll be a man, a woman of honor. I'm going to be a person of honor. I'm going to walk in the principle of honor towards my parents. I'll find a way. 
You'll be amazed. Maybe for some of you, you have to go and, and apologize and put something right. Mom, I, I've, I've got, I haven't been what, you, what I've needed to be. I haven't represented God properly to you. I, I, I've been dishonoring of you in so many different ways. Can you, will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? It's an important thing to deal with these issues. You say, well, but, but what about all that they did? Hey, it's not about them. It's about you walking with God. It's about you building a legacy of honor and grace. And so sometimes we just need to go and say, you know, God has been speaking to me and I realized there's many different ways that I've dishonored you with my attitude, with my words, with my actions. I'm so sorry. Will you, will you forgive me? You know, it's amazing what it does to change a person's heart. I'm so sorry. It must have grieved you that your own child treated you that way. You see, you don't know where they've come from. You don't know what they've experienced. You don't know what battles they've faced. But what a, what a joy for your parents to have a child that honors them in spite of their mistakes and failures. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for your presence here right now. Come on, let's lift our hands to him and just worship him. There's a real gentle spirit here. This is a deeply personal thing. Thank you, Lord. So you just begin to worship the Lord. Begin to just repent in your heart. You know what ways you've dishonored a father and mother. It could be all kinds of ways. All kinds of ways. You've just done things, acted independently, spoken against them, reacted angrily to them. All kinds of ways. Say, God, help me today. Help me today. Help me today. Help me today. Perhaps some of you here, your father has abandoned you. Perhaps your father's marriage broke up and you're still, a little, still living with the consequences of his irresponsibility. Just bring it to the Lord. Come on, bring it to him. Grieve over it and let it go. Let's just flow in a prayer together. Father in heaven, I come to you. I thank you love me. You have a destiny for me. And it included my parents. Lord, today in my heart, I confess to you now. I've dishonored my father and mother. I've judged them, found fault with them and harbored anger and unforgiveness in my heart. Lord, I repent. I release forgiveness. I release forgiveness now. I renounce every judgment I have made against my father. I cancel that judgment now. I break the cycle of sowing and reaping. Lord, I renounce every judgment I made against my mother. I renounce it and cancel it now. I break the cycle of sowing and reaping. Lord, I bless my father. I bless my mother. Today, I choose to honor them. I give them the gift of honor. It is my gift to them. And as I honor them, I am honoring you. My life will go well. I will live long and be blessed. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Let's begin to worship Him now.